Hey everyone, welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 111. All ones, Aaron. All ones. All kind of thing fancy to say about all ones. I know we're out of jerseys and whatnot, but... No, Owen Nolan plus one. I don't know. Works for me. Uh, so uh, this uh, episode here, we'll be talking about the the LA Kings miniseries that we just had. Uh, it, it, you know, it's not every time that we do the show, Aaron, that we get to talk about uh, a sweeping miniseries going 2-0 since the last time we've had a show. I'm pretty excited about the comments and the uh, the, the, the people coming in tonight that are going to be chatting with us. Spirits will be high finally. What do you say? Uh, yeah, it's two wins over L.A., uh, one of the Sharks' old-time rivals, uh, the California Cup coming over to uh, the Sharks now. But um, I don't know if I'm happy or sad about it because I still don't know if this team is going to make the playoffs. And now with Couture getting knocked out at the end of the game there, if, if he's going to be out, that's not going to help. So, um, man, I, I'm excited they won. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love when the Sharks win, but... In this short season, if they're going to miss the playoffs and they just miss playoffs, I'm not going to be happy. Well, just like Dr. Hook, I choose optimism. Dr. Hook says, are the playoffs still uh, within reach? Um, and seven points doesn't seem too far-fetched. That is true. But that was actually not the comment. Uh, it moved up on me. How excited are you guys about Jones' consistency? Do you think there's reason for optimism? Of course there's reason for optimism. Why not? Uh, when the Sharks are playing well, and uh, Martin Jones is looking stellar in net, and they're putting up goals, and they're just doing a really good job. Transition game was there tonight as well. The passing was phenomenal, uh, not just passes that were, you know, hope passes, hoping that the puck gets there, but finding the open man, getting it to the open man, and then a chance getting generated off of it. I think uh, all good things in this mini series here against the LA Kings for the San Jose Sharks. So, uh, Aaron, we're going to talk a little bit here about Martin Jones. This is the second time uh, in as many games that he's faced but it was more than 40 shots and uh, both of them come up as wins. And I did a little bit of looking at uh, some Twitter posts from Darren Stevens, the uh, sharks stats at sharks stats. If you're not following him, uh, he is a great one to follow. If you're interested in all those uh, baseball style stats and uh, he had put up basically that Martin Jones in a nutshell plays uh, miraculously better uh, when he's got tons and tons of shots on net, which is something I had alluded to last uh, couple of seasons saying, you know, Martin Jones, you know, he, he needs to feel the puck, right? And I think we've talked about that many times on this show. He needs to feel the puck. And I didn't realize he needed to feel the puck this much. Uh, but, hey, if it, if it works, um, you know, one of the points you're going to have here is talking about shot blocking, but maybe they just don't need to block the shots. What do you think? It's hard. It's hard to say. You know, you don't – you obviously want to block every single shot and your goalie doesn't have to do anything. You need to get a shutout. But it's not realistic. So, um, let him get 40 shots a night, though. That's – Again, also not very realistic or not ideal. So, um, yeah, he does do better when he gets that many shots and his save percentage gets over 900. So, um, let's see. Tonight, he was at, he let in one goal or two goals. Sorry, right? Two. Uh, two goals. He still had a 955 save percentage. That's amazing for Martin Jones. Absolutely amazing. Uh, the game before that, he let in one, 976. The one before that, he let in one, 971. The one before that, he let in one, 963. Uh, his save percentage just might get over 900 for the season. It's still, it hasn't updated yet. So, and I'm not doing the math in my head. Um, so maybe we'll come back to this, but yeah, I, I think, uh, oh, here we go. In his career, we're making 30 plus saves. Martin Jones is 55, 12 and 10, the 940 save percentage. We're making 29 or fewer. He's 125, 113 and 17 with an 896 save percentage. 
So don't play defense, which is why they have Burns and Carlson on their team. And I don't know why people are so upset about this. <laughs> Clearly the plan. Hey, what did I say? I, I hate to be right all the time, Aaron. I hate being right. I just love being right all the time. It doesn't matter. Anyway, what did I say? I said, when the Sharks start playing better defense, the goalie numbers are going to look better. Is it hard to argue that the Sharks have looked better defensively? Like, yes, they let in a lot of shots on goal, but I feel like they were clearing out rebounds for the most part. Um, they were tough to play against in their zone for the most part. Uh, and again, it's an LA Kings team, but regardless, I think when the Sharks are tightening up and playing better defensively, yes, Martin Jones, his numbers are going to look better. Now, it's kind of weird to say that because, again, they put 40 shots on goal. Uh, but uh, apparently, hey, this is what Martin Jones needs. You need to, to shell this guy, uh, and he just kind of plays the percentages. So all those games where he let four of them in on like five shots, I wonder if they just left him in for the next 40 shots, if he would have been okay. Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Uh, Lundy, 299 in the super chat. Thank you, Lundy, as a, a constant and um, regular contributor to the show, supporting the show. Uh, thank you. Uh, and Lundy's comment, just, hey, guys. So, hey, Lundy, how hey. are you doing, bud? I hope you're doing well. Um, I, I, I got your, uh, direct message there. I don't want to bring it up here, but, um, condolences and we hope that you're uh, doing well and we'll be feeling better, uh, soon enough. Uh, Aaron, any last thing you want to say about that one real quick? Well, thanks Lundy. And, uh, again, condolences and we're very sorry for your loss. There you go. Okay. So, um, let's talk a little bit more about Martin Jones before we move on. Um, I thought one thing about Martin Jones playing so well right now in the last stretch of games here, very encouraging because the Sharks are probably not going to be that playoff team, or at least are going to be sellers at the deadline. We've seen them be sellers before. They, they sold on, uh, what's his name? Um, crankshaft. They sold, they sold on crankshaft, Doug Murray, right? Yeah. And that was supposed to kind of be, well, we're, we're not really going to make the playoffs. And then they kind of got some addition by subtraction and they caught some some steam and they ended up making the playoffs that season, right? So um, Devin Dubnik is kind of slotted as like, the guy who's going to get uh, shipped out. So if he is, then this kind of bodes well for the Sharks goaltending situation because we were both saying we think Dubnik is kind of the better goaltender right now. So if he's the one that's leaving because of free agency, I'm sorry, because of the uh, the trade deadline and because he will be a free agent coming next season and probably won't be re-signing with the Sharks who are not that great of a team right now, um, then it's it's encouraging that Martin Jones is having a, a good time in net right now. That He's playing well so that with Dubnik gone, you can at least kind of go back to, okay, well, Jones is playing well right now. So um, it's just nice to see, you know, not just for right now, but maybe for the future. If whatever Evgeny Nabokov is doing right now with Martin Jones, whatever Martin Jones is doing in his off time to get his mind right, the mental side of the game, because you could see him tracking the puck much better tonight. Uh, whatever that stuff is, if he can continue to do that for the next few years to come, then it won't be such a blow to have Devin Dubnik leaving uh, by the trade deadline this season. Uh, your, your thoughts on that, actually? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because I, I still think Dubnik is the better goalie, but his contract is the better one to move or will be at least able to be moved. Um, there's going to be a team out there that's going to be looking for a veteran backup goalie going to the playoffs. Um, most likely a team that has maybe a rookie starter or not a very good backup going to playoffs just in case that starter does go down either right before the postseason or during the postseason. So 
Um, his contract is a lot more team friendly and there's a lot of teams that are up against the cap. So, uh, unfortunately Jones is going to be around for at least another, the end of this season, I should say, maybe, maybe into next season as well, but yes, always better that he's playing better. Um, I mean, I, I wish no ill will against the guy. I like him and he's cool. He's a nice dude. And, um, I think he's a great goalie. It's just kind of bad luck and, uh, he's finding his game again. So, um, Glad for him, and I guess it bodes well for the Sharks because uh, they'll have some solidifying presence in net um, next season, and who knows if Kornosh or if uh, Melnichuk will be able to step up and maybe play that backup role. Now, Jones does play better when he does have a better backup um, kind of pushing starts from him. So if he doesn't have that next season, maybe we see him not do so well next year. Um, depends on if they ever get anyone, maybe they get somebody back in a trade, maybe another bad goalie contract coming back this way or something. Um, who knows? So I still think the sharks are going to be moving a lot of pieces towards the trade deadline. I also think it's going to happen before the trade deadline. Um, not like on the day because of quarantine issues with players going not, not just into the Canadian market, but, um, all around are different rules and, uh, regulations on, I think that, I think it's actually mandatory. Isn't it two weeks? Or is that just if they cross the border? I, don't I believe know. it's if they cross the border because there's uh, a national difference in how that's handled. Yeah, that's that's Canada. But I, I'm wondering if you if you're well, I don't know. Maybe it's just based on the county then for for um, the U.S. market. Um, but I still think we're going to see some trades kind of before the deadline, more so than like a really big trade deadline day kind of thing. All right. Uh, Mr. Sandpaper says, do you guys remember when the Sharks got Kane and a ton of people complained that they gave too much for him and he was past his prime and he couldn't get along with anybody in the locker room? And then he follows it up with, ha. Uh, Yes, I do remember that. And I remember being one of those guys who was kind of um, unsure. I don't want to say doubting him, but I was I was unsure uh, just because of what I knew about Kane at that point in time. I I certainly wasn't uh, doubting his skill. I just wasn't 100 percent certain if he was going to be a problem in the locker room or, or anything to that. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm very happy with Evander Kane. I think any Sharks fan has got to be pretty happy with his game. Um, the guy's scoring goals regularly. And I, I know the $7 million, I believe, is the contract. And people were saying that's too high. It, I mean, it's right on the money. Um, no pun intended. It's right on the money uh, for, for what he's worth. I think the guy is, is worth every penny of that $7 million contract. And um, yes, he's got it for a few more years. And of course, the play will eventually decline but uh i think you pay the player what they're worth and i think we paid the right amount for him and he's certainly living up to his contract at least right now we'll see how it goes in the future but for now i'm more than happy with evander kane and his play uh so far especially tonight he did a great job tonight um another guy i'm very happy with unfortunately uh went down tonight was logan couture right at the end of the game two and a half minutes i believe it was left in the game uh kings pull their goalie uh peterson and Logan's got the puck center ice. He's trying to shoot it towards the empty net, and Carter comes over. Now, I don't think this was malicious. Uh, I don't think it was targeted. I don't think it was intentional, but it looked like uh, a butt end to the jaw. They were saying on the broadcast that maybe it was the shaft, and then on a different angle, it looked like they didn't even, he didn't even get his glove or a stick up that high in the first place. But there was a certain angle where you see it, and um, it looks like he's got the, the glove high enough. And for Logan to react like that, the way that his head snapped and he fell down, and that's more than just a glove. I feel like the butt end of the stick was right there uh, and probably uh, caught him on the chin there. So he gets carted off, uh, not carted, but he gets uh, helped off the ice, we'll say, 
and uh, doesn't return again only two and a half minutes when you're up by two goals. Well, I wouldn't expect him to return anyway. Uh, but probably got wheeled off for the uh, concussion protocol. Aaron, what do you think about this whole situation? I know it can't bode well for the Sharks uh, going forward with uh, Logan out. Uh, but who knows how long he's going to be out? It might just be for this game, and he's fine. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think he he looked like he got knocked out uh, when you look at the replay. He was he was un, not quite unconscious completely, but um, his mouthpiece fell out and it was kind of it fell to his side, and he was reaching for it as if it was still in his teeth. Like he just, he would, he didn't know where he was. He definitely got knocked out. Um, I think the butt end, he did get a butt end in the side and it probably cold cocked him. Didn't see it. Knocked him, uh, knocked him out maybe slightly, but not completely out. Thankfully, cause it could have been worse. His head could have hit the ice as he was head, falling down. If he got knocked out completely. Um, I don't think Carter was doing it on purpose. In fact, I don't even think Carter realized what happened because when he went to the box, he was like, it was just a hit. Like I didn't do anything. It was a shoulder to shoulder. Um, and on the replay, even me, I was kind of looking like, what is going on? Because he's not diving. He's clearly knocked out. And it was hard to see just on the angles that they had, at least on the replays that we saw. I don't know if the NHL will have better replays or other camera angles. But um, it, if it was a butt end to this to this face, that's a very dangerous hit. And unfortunately, Logan Couture has a, a past history with many concussions earlier in his career before he was in the NHL um, to the point where uh, he almost didn't even make it to the NHL or people were questioning if he was going to ever make it to the NHL because he had so many head issues and concussion issues. Um, he is an advocate and I forget the name of the foundation that he has, but he is an advocate for, uh, for concussion. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, research. research. So um, it's very, it's very much a problem with him and I hope it is not a long term, long term thing. Um, I hope he does recover well, but with concussions, that is the absolute question mark. Nobody knows how long. I mean, we've seen Sidney Crosby sit out an entire season because he couldn't even get out of bed. So it's very different for everybody. And I hope Logan does not have those kinds of problems. It could be very scary or it could be absolutely nothing. Um, But he did. He definitely had the glazed look and he was knocked out um, a little bit. So um, I hope he does. I hope he can come back and, and doesn't, push it too hard and make it worse or have it linger through uh, until next season. So it's unfortunate because the sharks, if we've talked about before, when hurdle is out, when they're missing one of those top six forwards, they are not a competitive team anymore. So they really need him in the lineup. Nick Weeder agreeing with you there says he got rocked and uh, we certainly do wish Logan all the best uh, and a speedy recovery. If, uh, if it is more serious uh, than I hope it is. Um, Scott Kemp saying it was a clean check. I think Cooch is fine. I'm, I'm hoping you're right, Scott. Uh, I, I think it was like Aaron said, it was an unintentional, um, hit yeah. there. I it think he, he meant to make a clean check, but it just, uh, looks like it, the butt end might've come up and hit him in the chin there. It was kind of a freak accident. I don't think it was a dirty, it wasn't a dirty hit at all. It yeah. was just kind of a freak accident. It just happened and it had to happen to a guy who has concussion histories, which when you have one and you get another, it gets you know, exponentially worse, which is why I'm a little worried. In fact, if someone remembers what the name of that foundation is, Logan Couture's um, uh, Brain Research Foundation, please go ahead and type in the chat. We'll bring that up in case anyone else is interested in checking that out. Uh, On that same topic here of uh, being in the game and uh, the Sharks not having the depth when uh, one of our top two centers is not in the game, um, are the San Jose Sharks in the playoff hunt still? Now, there's a couple ways you can look at this. Uh, you can look at our current record and say, no, absolutely not. And our, our current position, our current standing and say, absolutely not. You can also look at 
the the upcoming games. Okay, before the trade deadline, we've got two games against Arizona, a team I think is beatable, especially the Sharks of now. I think the Sharks have come a long way since the beginning of the season. They've gelled a lot more, not just you know camaraderie and rah rah, but I think the defense has tightened up. They've found their groove a little bit offensively. Um, they're they're finding each other more on the ice than they were in the beginning of the season. I think this is a different team than uh, than when we started, you know, twenty something games ago. So um, so we look at the teams that they had they're playing up against uh, before the trade deadline. Now, okay, you've got two games against Arizona. You got two games against Minnesota, who is streaking right now. They are a phenomenal team, and that's going to be a hard fought battle. But after that, you've got L.A. twice again. You've got Anaheim, who has been a joke this season. Let's get real. Um, and then L.A. two more times. And then Anaheim once again on trade deadline day. And you have a second game against Anaheim two days after the trade deadline, which, again, those last, what, six, seven games are all very winnable games for the San Jose Sharks. That should be 12 points that if they play well against the other Southern California teams, those 12 points should be in the bank. So you start looking at what's this team maybe capable of here. And is it possible for them to maybe make a push after that trade deadline for a playoff position still, because they could garner or or gather a whole lot of points right up until the point where the GM needs to make that decision and pull that trigger. Now I think trades are going to happen before the trade deadline anyway, but this puts them in a very interesting position right now being in seventh out of eight in the division and thinking, gosh, you know what? Looking at the schedule, we might make it. So um, I don't know, Aaron, what do you think? Is this a, still a playoff team or are they just too far gone? I don't know. They can't write them off completely this, this soon, I guess. Not yet. To me, I just don't think they're, they're deep enough. And that's their problem for a good playoff run. You're going to need a deep team, a healthy team. And right now the sharks are neither of those. So, um, they do have nine games left before the trade deadline and that's 18 points right there on the table. Now, the good thing about those points is you're playing division. You're always playing the division. So you're going to be jumping over teams and, and catching up to teams. Um, most likely if they're ahead of you, you know, um, and for the sharks, yeah, they're going to play Arizona twice, Minnesota twice, LA twice, the ducks Kings again. And then the trade deadline. So, yeah, they could put themselves in a good spot. Um, but then you have to look at the rest of the season. Then they're going to play Minnesota, Vegas three times, Minnesota's three times, Colorado four more times. So that's going to be a brutal end. So what's going to happen is, yeah, maybe they'll get themselves into a playoff spot, not make any trades, and then at the end of the season just drop off the, the cliff playing those harder teams. So – I, I still just don't think this team is it. I still think it's a building block season where they're going to be going next year, um, making a bigger stride next year, and maybe you know losing one of those guys because of the draft. So you're, you're taking one guy off the books. You're going to be able to add someone or some more depth. I think they're going to trade some of the guys. So this roster is going to look very different next season. Um, but again, I think this is a building block season for next year, and and I just don't think they're going to make playoffs. Yeah, 100%. This is definitely a a building year for the Sharks. Um, I I wonder, though, if it's a building year where they might still squeak in. Again, looking at how many of these teams uh, are kind of in the bottom of the basement with the Sharks, yes, but I feel like the Sharks are a better team than, you know, at least three of the teams that are down there. So uh, if they can kind of overcome 
either St. Louis or Minnesota, whoever is kind of vying for that fourth position. I know right now it's St. Louis. If they can overcome one of those teams. Now, again, St. Louis has got to play Vegas Golden Knights, Colorado. Uh, they got to lose to those teams, or maybe they'll win, but they've got to play those teams too, and those are going to be hard-fought games that they might lose. So those are points that they don't get. Um, they, I mean, they also have to play these the Anaheims and the LAs of the world as well. But, um, you know, hopefully, you know, if you're rooting for them to make playoffs, hopefully the St. Louis Blues uh, have a little bit of a hard time, struggle against those top teams and don't get the points. And the Sharks with these long streak of bottom feeder teams that they're playing against, hopefully they get the points that they should be getting and uh, can, can kind of take over on that position. Again, if you are rooting for them to make playoffs, if you're not rooting for them to make playoffs, I hate to cheer for somebody going down, but Logan Couture being out is probably the best thing um, right now for this team yeah. if they're not going to be making playoffs because uh, with him in the lineup, they certainly do look a, a lot better. And um, you, if you don't want points, then you don't want your best players playing. And Logan Couture absolutely is uh, one of the best players, if not the best player on the team, certainly has the most goals. Maybe not tonight, though. Actually, with uh, Evander Kane, might have tied him. I'm not sure. Or maybe even surpassed him. Now, Nick Weeder over here. Thank you, Nick. Uh, All In for Brain Research is the name of Logan's charity. If you are interested in that, um, please go check that out. I'm Super Producer Jason. I'm not sure if you have a website uh, uh, URL that you can put on screen. If you can, great. If not, uh, don't worry about it. I'll just go ahead and say it. It's uh, brainresearch.square.site. That's the donation page. In fact, he's got it on screen right now. So if that's something you're interested in and it moves you and you want to go ahead and um, donate to that cause, feel free to do that. And that is the page you can go to. Okay. Um, moving on from that tonight's goals, Balsers, Kane, uh, hurdle scored one as well, right? So the results from the East West puck movement and speed. Yes, Aaron, uh, there was a lot of transition game. Actually, there's a lot of North South going on, but I, I know what you're talking about with the East West. The, the puck was getting moved from side to side, making Peterson go from post to post. Uh, I thought they were doing all good things, uh, moving the puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone, and then confusing the defense, confusing the goaltender, getting some quick strike attacks on there. And it really did pay off for them tonight. Yeah, it was nice to see. Um, you kind of saw the shark speed, at least the first goal with that Balsers line. The speed coming back down the other end. And then what they did, like you said, you pass it across and you got the goalie to move side to side. I feel like this is what the Sharks aren't doing enough of um, on the power play, getting the goalie to move side to side and getting quicker shots off. Um, and it it paid off tonight with uh, some of the fast breaks coming back. And I feel like this is what the Sharks look different to me than they have in the last couple of years is their speed is kind of picked up. And uh, this is kind of the direction of the sh- that the overall games in the NHL are heading towards. So the Sharks are changing the way that they play and it's, it's finally starting to pay off. I mean, it's four goals against LA. So, you know, anyone could score against LA practically, but uh, they did beat Vegas the other night. LA beat Vegas uh, the night before they played the Sharks first game here. So, I mean, LA has been kind of a surprise, dangerous team, even though the Sharks beat him twice. And I did see that uh, Scott camp. We went two in a row and Aaron's got to bring the mood down. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. It's great. It's great. The Sharks win. I love when the Sharks win. Don't get me wrong. I love the Sharks and I love watching them win. So it was a good game tonight. And it was also a good game on, was it Monday night when they played the first game? Um, I, that one I felt like was better. No, not better. Better is not the right word. I felt better after that first win because the Sharks were able to hold a two to one lead, which I haven't really seen them 
hold on to one goal leads very often. So I was excited about that one. I was happy that Jones really shut the door and he made some really great saves. And again, tonight it was two to one going into the third period and the Sharks scored two quick goals right at the beginning of uh, the third period, which is amazing because we never really see the Sharks score in bunches. We always see them get scored on in bunches. Um, So I was kind of waiting for the other shoe to fall off until towards the end and then Couture got hit. So there you go. There, there's there's your Debbie Downer moment. Couture going down. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> uh, after Scott Kemp had said that, by the way, Sonic Tonic followed up with, right, Scott, let's celebrate a little tiny bit, eh? <laughs> yeah, then Scott said, our own little party. Aaron's not invited. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry to tell you guys, but we're kind of hosting the party. He has to be here. I mean, we could bring Marshall back, but uh, right now at least... Aaron's, Aaron's nah. here. There you go. Uh, bring Marshall back. <laughs> there's a comment from Brian. Should the Sharks push for a playoff spot or push for a high pick? Now, I don't. The Sharks would never tank. They would never like purposely tank where they're playing non-starters and like nobody does that in the NHL uh, except maybe Ottawa and Detroit because they have terrible teams. But um, the Sharks just, I just can't see them ever doing that. And um, I mean, look at like. One of the one of the, I think the teams that Doug Wilson likes to model after is Chicago. Chicago won a couple cups, and then they kind of got into trouble with the salary cap, kind of like the Sharks. And instead of doing a blow up, they're not trading Patrick Kane. They didn't trade Taves. They kind of kept their core guys around. Even Duncan Keith and um, Seabrook, who just retired this year. They kept those guys around and kind of retooled and reset. And I think that's what the Sharks are. That's what Doug Wilson's shooting for is kind of the Chicago model. Now, the Sharks obviously didn't win any cups, but they definitely had their chances and and could have in the last 15 years with the Joe Thornton era here. So um, I think we're going to see more of that than the, I don't know what you call it, the Ottawa model where they trade everybody and get all kinds of picks and then have all this hope for the future, but still are terrible teams. Same with Detroit. Detroit traded away a lot of their guys. They lost a lot of their guys and they've been garbage in the bottom of the barrel of the league. I mean, I think last season's Detroit team was like a historically bad team in terms of points put up goals scored goals scored against like it was just so bad. So I just, I can't ever see the sharks being like that. It's always going to be a retool. It's never going to be a complete blow up of a team. So yeah, I'm not I'm not rooting for the higher draft pick. I'm rooting for if the Sharks don't make the playoffs, then it should be lower as low as possible. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I'm I'm just rooting for watching the Sharks, and if they win, they win, and I feel great. If they lose, I don't feel so hot. And wherever we get our draft pick, we get our draft pick. I mean, that's every every team is just going to get whatever gets thrown to them. So, but I'm with you. I don't think any team should ever try to tank necessarily i mean if you trade away all of your good players and yeah you're probably going to be a worse team uh and you get your draft picks and everything by making those trades but i don't think any team is deliberately going to tell uh logan couture and evander kane hey guys don't score tonight will you you know that does no team does that so um to say hey should we tank um again no team is gonna do that um, so anyway, I, I wanted to bring something up real quick. Mr. Sandpaper says, any thoughts on Tim Peel's comments and subsequent firing? Mr. Sandpaper, I know you're going to be here anyway, but hang out because we're getting there. There's only another topic or two we wanted to touch on, and then we will be talking about that. Aaron and I have uh, some different opinions on it. So um, stick around 
And we'll, we'll get to that one in just a few minutes here. So, um, Aaron, the, the more you know, um, the, the trade deadline, I think a lot of people are still a little confused about how it works in terms of why would you trade this player? He's still good, right? So you see guys like Devin Dubnik, for instance. There's a lot of people online that like Devin Dubnik a lot more than Martin Jones and say, you know, why would you trade Devin Dubnik? Can you kind of help explain why a player even though he might be the better player at that position or might be very helpful to the team is the right guy to trade at the trade deadline. Sure. Yeah. It, it's more or less going to come down to contract because there's going to be a value to a player regardless of how good or bad they are. Um, you could have a really bad player with a really good contract, maybe not really bad player, but a, a average player with a very good friendly team friendly contract get moved and you can have a really good player with a really horrible, bad contract, not get moved kind of thing. So for Dubnik, why would, why would the Sharks move Dubnik? Well, he's a unrestricted free agent, which means after this season is over, the Sharks do not have the rights to him anymore. And he can sign with whatever team he wants. Now, instead of if the Sharks don't make the playoffs, what's the point of keeping him? You might as well trade him and get something. So if you trade him to another team, you get either a prospect coming back or a draft pick coming back. Um, and Dubnik gets to go play for most likely would be a contender. It's a team that's going to be in the playoffs. So you're kind of helping him out because he's going to be possibly winning a Stanley Cup and the Sharks will not be. So um, that's why players like we keep saying Brent Burns might get moved and people go, well, why would you do that if he's still good? It's not that we don't like Brent Burns. It's not that we would want to trade Brent Burns, but he has value. Now his his cap hit is $8 million, which is a little high, but you're still getting a pretty elite defenseman. Now, his contract does last another four seasons after this year, and he's 36 years old, so his contract goes until he's 40. Will he play until 40? I think he will. Looking at how he takes care of himself and his body, I think he's kind of changing the defenseman position, if you will, in terms of uh, longevity. Um, defenseman kind of tail off after about 35, but he's still looking pretty good and pretty sharp. And I mean, you've seen what two or three of those highlight reel goals where he just dipsy doodles in front of people and scores a complete highlight reel goal. So some of these players are going to get moved. Now, the more friendlier contracts are ones that are lower dollar amount and lower years. Um, we saw, uh, Barkley Gaudreau get traded to Tampa Bay last year. He still had another year in his contract. He's still playing for Tampa Bay now. Um, the reason the Sharks got a first round draft pick and not like a second or third or fourth is because his contract was so team friendly on a team, Tampa Bay, that had very little cap space that they were happy to have him because first of all, they're probably going to win a Stanley cup and, or at least be contending for one in the top four. So that first round pick is going to be a 28, 29, 30, 31st overall pick. It's not, it's almost a second round pick practically. Now, the Sharks will feel better because they got a first-round pick and they didn't have one in the draft, um, which they used on, was that Weiss, Weissblatt? What? Osman? Ozzy Weissblatt. Osman yeah. So um, there's there's different ways you can look at it, um, different values of players, and also kind of different – They're not, not every team is looking for a high goal scorer or high point producer – Case in point, Barkley Gaudreau was a very good penalty killer and a very team-friendly contract, exactly the kind of player that Tampa Bay needed. And they had a very strong run last year. So um, 
teams kind of look for that. And then the teams that are selling are going to be looking to get the most value. So they might've had another trade in the works with other teams and it wasn't a first round pick. Maybe it was a second round pick. And so they kind of like, okay, well, we're going to go to Tampa Bay here because we're getting a higher pick. Um, you never know what's going to happen. You never know um, what's already kind of in the works as well. Um, there's not really a lot of rumors that come out of San Jose that are legit. Uh, Doug Wilson does a very good job of keeping that covered up and very, very private conversations with other GMs. Um, there are other GMs in the league that like to leak stuff into the media. Um so you probably, if you read any websites that have any kind of trade rumors, especially about the Sharks, it's definitely not coming from the Sharks. It's probably coming from the other team they're talking to, or it's completely made up. So going to the trade deadline, be careful on what you read and don't put too much stock into things. It's not like any other sport, baseball, basketball, football, all these trades um, before they happen, they're always leaked to the media like a good day beforehand. So everybody already kind of knows what's going to happen hockey is not like that hockey kind of is a little bit more surprising i guess um so just kind of go into that trade deadline hoping that the sharks get more pieces back more draft picks and and or high-end prospects which they're lacking very much of right now so uh and and thank you for that um player worth is another thing here that you kind of touched on a little bit um one of the guys that looks like he's probably going to be uh sent out of san jose here is marcus Sorensen. Some people like him. Some people don't really care for him. I, I mean, for me, he's entirely replaceable. If you can get a, you know, a third or something like that for Marcus Sorensen, which would be great. So uh, a lot of people not un, not understanding why anyone would want to trade for Marcus Sorensen. The guy doesn't score goals. He doesn't do this. Doesn't do that. Yes, but he's a veteran in the league and he's decent for uh, penalty killing. He's decent for your fourth line. So if you are trying to make that run and you've got a hole to fill on that fourth line or even on the third line. Uh, he's a guy that can step in and he can play admirably uh, for your team. So I think there's definitely value in a guy that maybe we look at and we don't see him scoring as many goals as we'd like to see him score, although that's not really his role. Uh, another team is going to look at him and say he's perfect for what we need him for and we're willing to give up this pick to go get him. Now, Doug Wilson has done a phenomenal job of absolutely stealing from other teams uh, when it comes to getting value and whatnot. Again, Doug Murray is the, the one I like to use a lot. Uh, two second round picks for Doug Murray. And I have nothing against Crankshaft, but uh, he was kind of the guy that was, he wasn't exactly the most fleet of foot. He'll put you on your butt, but you, if you're near him, but for the most part, it wasn't too hard to get away from him. We'll put it that way. Um, so he was able to go out and get two seconds for a guy like Doug Murray. Um, and, and he's done this before with many other trades, getting more value than we think is, uh, warranted. I think it was uh, Patrick Marlowe. He got a second for Patrick Marlowe from I think it was Pittsburgh at the time. Um, I mean, he just he does wonderful things uh, being able to get the maximum amount of value uh, from his from his players from his assets. So in terms of player worth and a guy specifically like Sorensen, is Sorensen going to garner anything from any team? A team that's looking to fill a hole, absolutely he will be. And I think you'll be surprised when Marcus Sorensen gets traded. Uh, the return, I think it's going to be a decent return. Um, it w- certainly won't be like a seventh. It'll be something kind of, uh, you know, a third, fourth, somewhere in there, I think. So uh, keep your eye open for that. And as far as loyalty in the eyes of the fans, now a lot of fans were having a hard time with Patrick Marlowe saying again that he'd 
uh, you know, it'd be interesting. I'll, I'll keep my eyes open. Uh, you know, I'm not looking for anything, but if something comes to me, then, you know, I'd have to consider it. I would really have to consider it. And fans are saying, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of him being a shark, saying he's a shark for life, then going to Pittsburgh, then coming back and then going, um, you know, to the the next uh, Toronto or whatever it was, the first order. Um, and, and now it's, it sounds like, okay, if they're not uh, a playoff team, he's going to move somewhere else. Well, this guy's just not loyal to the team. That's not that's not the truth at all, guys. He's leaving because he's getting that opportunity at a cup, and because it gives the Sharks an opportunity to get a draft pick for him. Right? He's bettering the team in this way. And in terms of loyalty, the guy keeps coming back. He always wants to come back to San Jose. He doesn't want to play anywhere else. He's going to another team when San Jose is not going to be making the playoffs, and he's just trying to go get his cup. That's not that's not selfish. That's just him trying to go achieve a goal. But at the end of the day, even when he was with Carolina for that short stint, didn't even play a game, he was saying, I just don't want to play for you guys. I only want to play for San Jose. They said, fine, we'll buy out the rest of your contract, right? Um, so I think there's a tremendous amount of loyalty with a guy like Patrick Marlowe. He's just out trying to get what is his ultimate goal. And if he can't get that with the Sharks, fine, so be it. I'll go somewhere else to make that happen. And by the way, it's not like he's the one pulling the strings. Doug Wilson's the one that's going to say, you know what? I got Patrick Marlowe if anyone's interested. And if they're able to make that trade, he's gone. It doesn't matter, right? So at the end of that season or the end of the season, this season, I would not be shocked at all to have Patrick Marlowe asking the Sharks, hey, can I play one more season with you guys and see how it goes, you know? So um, it was just kind of interesting, Aaron. I don't know if you want to touch on any of that stuff, Uh, maybe just really briefly so we can keep moving. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the loyalty to it, they, you can't look at it as a, as a fan would, right? The fans stick with their team no matter what. The players don't necessarily do that, and it's it's not for lack of loyalty. It's just the business, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, people kind of get attached to players, and I understand it's, it's a very emotional thing, but um, it's also a business. The NHL is a business, and these players, think about the players. They, they work their whole lives to try and get into the NHL. They finally make it. Do you really think they care what team they play for? Absolutely not. Most kids, most most players are not playing for the team that they grew up rooting for. Um, they're just going to be happy that they're getting paid to play a game. So they're going to go anywhere that they can go. Um, now, the superstars are what you're going to see that will choose where they want to go, like John Tavares from that whole debacle when he was looking to sign. And uh, he went to Toronto because that was the team that he grew up playing for. Um Going back to Marlowe, I always thought I thought it would be very interesting if the Sharks in Toronto made a trade so that Marlowe is playing with Thornton, and then I would be rooting hard for Toronto. If they want a cup, can you believe that? If Marlowe and Thornton want a cup together in Toronto, first of all, <laughs> anyone in Toronto who wins, if you win a cup in Toronto, you will be immortalized for life because they have not won a cup since 1964, I believe. 67 maybe it's 67. many moons many many moons have passed <laughs> anyway it's been and they haven't even been to the finals since they won that's that's think about it that way though when's the last time the sharks were in the finals Five years ago? four years ago yeah four years ago. oh was that was that it for the topic no, i'm just saying it seems like a long time ago right oh okay I wasn't sure if you were done talking. I wanted to give you the floor there, but uh, I'm, I'll go ahead and take it back. Uh, Mr. Sandpaper, um, thumbs up for these fellas. Best fan run show around. Mr. Sandpaper, thank you so much. We appreciate the comments. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we think we're pretty good. <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. I do appreciate it. And anybody else who feels the same way, uh, we love you guys right back. 
Uh, Anthony Sanchez, Buffalo will be big time sellers. Absolutely. I am shocked with the uh, amount of goal production that is not coming out of that line with uh, Skinner, Eichel, and Hall. Uh, those are some big names, and it's just not getting done. I'm not going to go into them, but uh, that's that's you want to talk about disappointing seasons. You could talk about San Jose Sharks all you want, but holy, I mean, you got a guy that's getting paid quite a bit of money there, and I'll take uh, Eric Carlson's $11.5 million over uh, Jack Eichel's $10 million right now. I think they said... Eichel has uh, – no, no, it wasn't Eichel. Skinner, I think, had two points Skinner. in 20-something games, and their goalie has two points in, in less games. That's ridiculous. Come on now. Skinner, I think Skinner has the worst contract in the NHL, and he is ripe for a buyout. I mean, he's making $9 million a year. Yeah. Nine million. Nine That's- times. Nine <laughs> times. It's ridiculous. That is gross. Uh, yeah, I'll say all you want about any of the bad contracts on the Sharks. <laughs> None of them are that bad, bro. No. Uh, okay, Lundy, again with the 299. Thank you so much, Lundy. I've never been attached to any player, LOL. Uh, yeah, yeah right. I can think of one, maybe. <laughs> Lundy, for anybody who doesn't know, we have a few more viewers than uh, as as would be typical uh, in these last few uh, weeks, months, uh, who don't know Lundy. Lundy is a humongous uh, uh, Justin Braun fan, and he was very upset when Braun got sent away and uh he still follows them i believe in philadelphia there so um yeah there you go or no it's not philly anymore is it yeah he's still philly. it's philly okay i thought it was arizona for some as demers maybe i don't know it doesn't matter they're all old time guys um so let's go ahead and just move on here curtis gabriel and bob bugner find um curtis gabriel if you didn't catch it was skating the red line on the pregame skate with was it travis dermot is that his name yeah, McDermid, I think. McDermott. There's a Dermot with T, and I think that's in Toronto, and a Dermid with an ID at the end, and that's the guy in uh, L.A. So apparently they were on the same team at one point. They played against each other or with each other or something at some point, so they know each other. But according to Curtis, there's a little bit of bad blood. He didn't want to go into it, but I guess McDermid skated over the red line, which is kind of a, a no-no, and... Gabriel just wasn't having it. So he kind of gave him a little cross check and was talking to him. Now, Curtis Gabriel has talked to just about everybody that he's fought uh, in the pregame skate. He was talking to uh, Kyle Clifford. He was talking to, uh, I don't even remember the other guy's names, but he was talking to everybody that he's fought like pre-skate. So this was nothing new for him. But I think the little shove cross check move was just a little bit too much. The NHL threw him a fine of, I think, 3,000, which I think is the maximum allowable uh, by the CBA. And then, of course, Bob Bugner gets fined 5000 I'm not even sure why, Aaron. Is that just part of the rules if your player does something stupid that your coach has to pay for it too? Yeah, it's a rule. It's just a rule. So usually when that happens, the players will kind of pull the money and pay for the coach so the coach doesn't have to actually pay it out of his own pocket. But I don't know if that was the case in this one. Uh, but, yeah, Curtis Gabriel talks with everybody before the game. Kind of, He's just a talker. He's one of those people just jabbing, which I have no problem with. Mr. Sandpaper asked us way earlier on, what do you guys think of Gabriel's antics last night? I, for one, really like that guy. I really like him, and I'm going to try and get him on the show. I think he'd be great on the show. So keep keep looking forward for that. But, um, yeah, I, I like what he does, and I think he brings a different element to the Sharks game, and he's kind of that glue similar to, was it John Scott and uh, Jody Shelley when they were on the Sharks? I think it was John Scott, the one they were highlighting a couple months ago, how – when he was in the lineup, the Sharks were 
more dominant than when he was not, even though he was not a goal scorer by any means. Um, just kind of keeps things light and um, uh, sticks up for his teammates, a, a team first guy all around. So I really like him. I love how he hits guys and I love how he fights and, and gets in people's faces and sticks up for his teammates. So I have no problems with him. I, I like him in the lineup more than not in the lineup. Um, I have no problem with his antics. I thought it was a little like as kind of a weak thing. I understand that NHL has to punish that because they don't want scrums, basically or fights to happen before games start. Cause then what you, you can't get penalties out or anything. You're just gonna have to do fine. So um, if you didn't see the video, he, he just like, it, I guess he cross-checked him. He just kind of like pushed him like, Hey, get over there. It wasn't like he wanted to fight him kind of hit. And they kind of like chuckled about it too. Like you could see McDermott skating away, laughing after he got hit. So it's not like he hurt him. Um, but yeah, it, part of the fine goes to the, to the coach so that it kind of hurts the coach and the coach kind of keeps a leash on his players, I guess, beforehand. That's kind of the thinking of it. Um, but all that money goes, I think it goes towards a charity or something. So it's not like it's all completely lost and the money's going to go to a good cause. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, I don't mind seeing Gabriel do that. In fact, I think it's hilarious. I think it makes a good bit and uh, it's kind of funny. Kind of old school hockey in a way coming back. Yeah, I mean, especially if it goes to a good cause, uh, no better guy to be fine than Curtis Gabriel. Curtis Gabriel is uh, one of those guys who's um, very into social justice and uh, charity and and those kinds of things. So uh, really, really uh, good to see his energy, I think. He's, he's an energy producer on the ice, and he's a guy that makes defensemen actually think twice. So, um, you know, to go out there and, and run guys around and smash them into the boards and whatnot, you got defensemen looking up and, and throwing hope passes because here comes Curtis. So, um, you know, again, I, I think he's good for the team, good for the lineup, and I don't think that position or that role is dead quite yet. Uh, he brings a lot of energy to this team, and they feel a lot more confident uh, around uh, a guy like Curtis Gabriel or a guy like John Scott, like you had mentioned, you know, they, they played better with those guys in the lineup, not because they're goal scorers, but because the confidence level goes up. They can go out there uh, with a little bit less worry about what the other team is going to do uh, physically on them because you've got a guy who's ready to answer the bell. In fact, we're going to do a roll call right now, and we're going to say, uh, where are you watching us from, as well as, do you like Curtis Gabriel? Maybe let's say, do you like him and why? Uh, we'll get a little bit of conversation going in there. That'd be cool. So, uh, I mean, personally, I like the guy. I, again, I'm not expecting him to score any goals. That's not his role on this team. And he knows what his role is, and he does that role quite well. So, uh, yes, energy producer, as Kellen Foster just said, um, kind of like Sorensen. No, Kellen, you're wrong. Not like Sorensen. Oh, <laughs> uh, why are you tormenting me with Sorensen, man? He's getting traded either way. It doesn't matter, okay? So, uh you know, he'll, he, the, the best thing Sorensen can do for this team right now is give us a draft pick. Uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to. <laughs> and do you remember uh, when John Scott scored goals? Uh, he printed a T-shirt of himself celebrating and wore it. You remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that. It was, a, it was a picture. It was just a plain white T-shirt with a black and white picture of him celebrating the goal that he had scored because he was just like, ah, like so excited. I hope Excellent. Curtis Gabriel does the same thing. That is excellent. No, I, I do remember one of the goals he scored and the net came off and then everybody wanted to fight and he got real serious for a second there and he was like shoving guys away. Like he just scored that. and then he had to get into back into fight mode. And yeah. as soon as everybody kind of vacated, then he did the big celly, uh, 
uh, face and everything. Maybe that was the same one that you're talking about there. But um, there's another soundbite of him when uh, there's like a scrub in front of him and he skates over and he goes, okay, okay, the police are here. Back up, back up. <laughs> Something like that. Like, or the, the adults are in the room. Something like that. It was nice. really funny. Nice. Yeah. Um, he, he's got the uh, Drop in the Gloves podcast. If you guys are interested in more John Scott, and he's got a lot of shark stories and sharks interviews as well. So uh, that's another good one right there. It's uh, Drop in the Gloves. Okay. Uh, this is the hot topic here with the hot mic. Um, referee Tim Peel. Aaron, um, I'm going to go ahead and let you start off on this one because I kind of want to hear what you have to say. I know I've got my own kind of take on it. And I, 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 the way that I was thinking about this, it was kind of similar. I went after the fact kind of for my own opinion. And then I watched something that Brody had put out and he was kind of saying sort of the same things. I don't know if you saw that video or not, but I'm just interested in, in what you have to say. Uh, so you have the floor. All right. Well, first of all, the incident, uh, it was yesterday's game in the Nashville and I forgot who they're playing against, but, um, they came back from the break and he was caught with a microphone on, on the feed. And he basically was claiming that he wanted to call a penalty against Nashville early on in the game. Um, even though the penalty that he did call that tripping penalty wasn't even really a tripping penalty. If you look at the replay. So kind of everyone was up in arms. He also dropped an F bomb. So I don't know if it's more to do. He had the F bomb on TV and the feed or because he claimed he wanted to make a call before there was even like anything there. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a, it kind of threw everyone for a loop of like, especially now that betting is a thing in the NHL and they've embraced betting in Vegas. I think uh, they kind of wanted to distance themselves from him. Um, however, Tim Peel has been a terrible referee in the NHL for years. Uh, he's had so many calls that have just been super controversial and terrible. And then something like this happens. It's kind of like, oh man, no wonder why he's so bad. There's also Greg Wyshynski, who uh, now works for ESPN, but he was working for Yahoo back in the day. I think it was just five, six years ago. He ran. He used to write a whole series about Tim Peel and how terrible he was, and he randomly ran into him in a bar. And he was like, oh, my gosh, you are Tim Peel. And Tim Peel knew exactly who he was and read everything that he wrote, and they had a two-hour conversation over drinks and completely like – Tim Peel like was just down to earth and and like a cool dude, and he admitted that he screws up a lot. So um, I think the day after that, he got in trouble for the NHL for hanging out with the journalist outside and having drinks or something. So he's just he's been in the news or not in the news. He's just been in hot water a lot. Now he was set to retire after this season or in April, not even in the end of the season. He's never done a Stanley Cup Finals because he's been terrible. So. That was, I think, even one of the questions in one of the things is, how come you've never done a Stanley Cup Finals? And he blatantly answers like, oh, it's because I'm not very good. Like <laughs> he, he just knows it. So um, for them to just fire him outright like this, I think it's, for one, the league to kind of save face a little bit and to kind of send a message to other referees to kind of, you know, shape up a little bit. I think it's kind of like, man, he was already, look, he was scheduled his last game on April 24th. That was going to be his retirement. That was going to be his last game. So he gets a month early retirement. Whatever. I, I think the I think the NHL is ready to just wash their hands of him, and he gave them a very valid and easy excuse to do so. And I think it was warranted. I don't think he was very good. What do you think? Okay. So regardless of whether or not you think he's a good referee or a bad referee, 
The NHL had employed him and he was set to retire, as you said, at the end of this season. So it's not like they didn't want him around and they were kicking him out. They thought he was good enough of a referee to keep him around. So uh, whatever fan or journalist opinion of him, it's obviously not quite the same as the NHL, because if they had a problem with him, they would have let him out the door uh, a lot earlier. Um, I see comments in here saying, um, let's see, it was Tim Peel was going to quit at the end of the year. Anyways, it's the same thing that, that, that you had said. Um, yes, he was going to be re- not quit. He was going to retire at the end of the year. He was going to be getting his pension at the end of the year. They've essentially banished him from the NHL, which is fine. You know, you could say, hey, we just don't want you to be our ref anymore. That's fine. But imagine if you worked f- at your job for 20 years or whatever it is, and then months before you're going to retire, they fire you and you don't get whatever should be coming to you in retirement. That's essentially kind of the same as what happened right here. I just feel like um, that's that's not right. You know, again, you've had this guy who's been a referee at the professional level and especially in a time in COVID, he's a guy that says, you know what, I'll go out there and I'll ref uh, while other referees maybe wouldn't have said that. I'm sure a lot of them would have, but um, he was one of the ones that said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, he, so again, he's, he's kind of, he's not going to get what's been due to him for the amount of time that he's been a ref again, good or bad ref. It doesn't matter. They, they employed him. Uh, he won't be getting his pension. What's due to him. Um, he won't have a celebratory last game. And as silly as that sounds, um, I think that's kind of a, a big deal for some of these guys where they get the opportunity to kind of wind it down. And all of a sudden he's just out right um, now. The call itself, whether it was a trip or not, people are making it sound like he's trying to fix games. The guy was not trying to fix the game. He didn't say, I want to call a penalty on them early with no other context. The problem was there was a bad call previously in the game. And he was trying to do a makeup call. And what he was saying was, I wanted to call a penalty on them early as opposed to later on in the game where it's like two minutes left, they're down by one power play, right? So that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to say, I want to do this makeup call, but I want to get that makeup call done early. That's why it was barely a trip. Because if I wait till there's more of an actual penalty later on, I might be calling something that's like way late in the game and it's a difference maker. I want to do it early when they have time. Something bad happens on the power play. They have time to come back, right? But we made a bad call earlier. We're trying to make it right. So for me... It was a referee who was trying to be a compensatory, I guess, in that he was trying to like right a wrong that was done previously. Now, this is nothing new in refereeing, especially not in the NHL or in any other sport. Referees make bad calls and then they make a makeup call later on. We've heard even Eric Carlson over the over the uh, the referee's mic when he says, oh, yeah, I was tripping and you hear Carlson. That was a makeup call. Right. We've we've heard that before. Um, And this is something that we all know happens in the NHL all the time. The only problem with Tim Peel, apart from some people's opinion that maybe he's just no good and and he shouldn't have been refing in the first place, which again, the NHL would disagree with you because they had hired him this entire time. The only thing that he did wrong was he left his mic on and he verbally let it out. Um, Other than that, he did the exact same thing that any other ref who wanted to fix a broken call earlier in the game would have done, which is do a makeup call. But he's, he verbalized it. He said it out loud. 
So I don't see this as something that the referee is trying to fix the game. He's betting on the game. He's trying to make money from the game. He's a fan of Nashville. He's, you know, none of that stuff. I don't see that at all. I think all it was is a misunderstanding of the fact that the ref was trying to right a previous wrong. And that's all it was. And that's exactly why he said specifically, I wanted to get that early. Because again, if you take that penalty late in the game, it's much more of a game changer uh, than if it was done earlier and the team has a chance to come back should something bad have happened during that power play. So that's kind of my take on it. I understand that we differ, and I'm sure a lot of people have their opinions in the comments here. Aaron, did you see any specific opinions you wanted to call out, either you know, pro Tim Peel, against Tim Peel? Either no, way, it doesn't I, matter. We're just sparking conversation here. I think, I think the NHL is trying to get ahead of a bigger problem if uh, something like this kind of leaked out. Not that it's leaked or something, but... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Donahue, a former NBA referee who conspired to fix NBA games. Now, I'm sharing a screenshot or I'm showing the the website here. Super producer Jay, maybe we can bring this up here. So um, a while ago, this guy, there was conspiracy and he was getting paid money because he was covering the spread. He wasn't throwing games. He was covering the spread and he was calling late penalties and players getting pissed off and all that stuff. I think the NHL was trying to nip something in the butt exactly like this to hold themselves from having a huge conspiracy controversy. Who knows? Maybe there'll be an investigation. Maybe he was kind of throwing games and getting paid under the table. So I think this was more of a bigger deal about firing him or, or not even firing him. Cause he's still, is he still going to be refing through the season or is he done now? No, he, he but, is done. As far as I know, um, and I think somebody had put it in a bit of a comment here, what the quote was. He's not going to be officiating any more games. Um, and then Illuminato says he will likely get his pension and benefits. I don't know. I mean, I, personally, I hope so. I still, um, I'm sure he will. I, I can't imagine him not because that would be even a huge lawsuit. So I don't think I mean, that. I hope. And again, some of this information, I, that stuff I wasn't thinking about prior to. This was something that I, I had uh, watched the video that Brody Brazil had made. And it was like, oh, that's actually a good point, too. So I'm, unless Brody is just kind of jumping to conclusions as well, I would imagine that he'd done a little bit of homework on that one as well. Um, but th- the other parts of it where they said um, or, or just about what he said, just the things that he said, that was in my mind, I'm going that doesn't sound like a ref who's trying to fix a game and who's trying to cover a spread or anything else. That just sounds like a guy who is acknowledging that they made a bad call earlier and I want to fix it. And frankly, I think if it was a bad call against the sharks, fans would probably be saying, I'm waiting for that makeup call now and expect it, right? Hey, they better give us a makeup call because that was garbage, right? Again, for me, the only thing he did wrong was as someone had said in there, He's got the NHL logo on. He should imagine that he's always got a hot mic on. And that's what he should have done. He should have thought, you know, no matter what happens, I got to make sure that either I've got my mic off or I'm just going to keep my comments to myself. And unfortunately, he didn't do that. Now, again, for some people who just did not like Tim Peel anyway, this is good for them, I guess. Uh, But I just think that this was a decision that maybe was kind of a jumping of the gun Um it, 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 this is not a guy who is trying to fix a game. This is a guy who is just trying to fix uh, a moment in a game. So um, uh, that's kind of my take on it. Whether you guys agree or disagree, um, I'd be interested in seeing your thoughts. So feel free, not just in the chat there, but after we're done with the video, if you want to put your comments in the comment section for the whole world to see and maybe spark a conversation there, 
uh, that'd be cool too. So, uh, Aaron, anything else you want to talk about the Tim Peel situation or are we good from here? That's good. Uh, we are good. Is, uh, maybe that we'll see more accountability from referees going forward. Yeah, definitely that. see, definitely see more refs, uh, double checking their mics. Uh, <laughs> you can be sure of that. Uh, next games coming up for San Jose Sharks. We have a Friday at Arizona and a Saturday at Arizona. Again, most of these are going to be back to back. Uh, two two uh, of the same team uh, games that are coming in. Again, Arizona, both of these 7 p.m. games. Aaron, I think these are winnable games. I know Arizona's ahead of us in the standings. There's not many teams who are not. Uh, but I really do feel like these are winnable games. What do you think about the upcoming miniseries? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the Sharks can pull out two wins here, I mean, I think a lot's going to depend on Coach Hare's health going into these games. And th- since it is away games, it'll be telling if he gets on the plane or not. How about that? And they'll probably yes. be leaving tomorrow. I don't think they're leaving tonight. So if he's on the plane tomorrow, then all things are looking good. If he's not on the plane tomorrow, he's going to be resting, and it could be maybe just these two games, maybe not, because they're going to play Minnesota at home on Monday. Yeah. Now, I want you guys to take a look at the schedule real quick and look at the ridiculous amount of games that this team has had to play and put together. Now, every single Friday, Saturday until the end of the season is a back-to-back uh, I believe also against the same teams back to back. Yeah, so there you go. Super producer Jason helped me out here. Thank you. Um, it is an insane schedule. I don't know that all the other teams are, I mean, they must because they have to pack in um, the same amount of games in the same amount of time. So, I mean, they must have just as many. Uh, but my goodness, this is just, I mean, four, four games in what, six nights almost every week? That's a lot to ask for. It's a tall order. I think a little bit of credit needs to go to this coaching staff and to these players, uh, regardless of what the outcome of these games are. This has been a very tumultuous season, not just for the NHL in general, but for the Sharks specifically. They've had to start off with a, um, you know, not being able to play at home, playing in Arizona. They've had to have, you know, six game or four games in six nights. It's just a ridiculous schedule, and to be able to or to to try to do that while teaching young guys while teaching the guys who had a system in mind already and trying to relearn a new system on top of it. There's just a whole heck of a lot going on there. And um, again, I know I couldn't do it. So my hat's off to uh, Bob Bugner and staff and Logan Couture and company uh, for putting together the season that they have so far um, just about 500 and a very tumultuous season. And honestly, I feel like they're going to finish above 500 um, if this team were to stay together, I feel like they could with the trade deadline looming, who knows who's going to be leaving and whatnot, but that's a whole nother topic. You know what? Let's just oh. go with Arizona. Do you feel that these are, are winnable games? I think they can come out of here with four points. Yeah, absolutely. And if they do, they're going to leapfrog actually Arizona in the standings because they'll assuming they don't go to overtime and give them a point. Um, they will leapfrog them in, in points in the standings and beat the fifth team. Also, depending on how LA does. Um, but going back to that schedule quick, the Sharks only have five more road trips because they're playing back-to-backs. So a lot of these are home games, which bodes well for the Sharks. They're not going to be as tired as the other teams coming in. So um, I, I think it's doable. I think it's plausible. How about that? It's not, it's not out of possibility. It's not – I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you this. They're, they're in a good chance. They're in a good opportunity. I'll say this. If the Sharks sweep Arizona on this miniseries and they split with the Wild, 
it's it's going to be a tough decision to come to the conclusion of whether or not they're a playoff team because they've got the next, like I said, five or six games against Anaheim and L.A., and they've shown that they can beat both teams, and I think that they're a better team uh, than when they started the season, as I said before. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what happens at this trade deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if moves don't get made sooner than later. I feel like they might kind of hold off a little bit and see, but I don't know. Regardless, uh, we're certainly looking forward to the next show. The next show will be on that Saturday because, again, they play Friday, Saturday, and we always do it at the second game, after the second game of the miniseries. And you can expect us to be on closer to like 9.30 or so, uh, maybe a little bit after that. But uh, right about about 9.30 on Saturday uh, after that second Arizona game. So if you are not subscribed, please hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so that you guys know when we are going live. That way you can join in on the conversation and chat with all these nice fine folks like Anthony Sanchez, who is just primed and ready to get his sandal thrown in his head again. (laughs) Uh, Although I guess he's got the earbuds in now, right, Aaron? Was that the new story? Yeah. Okay, so he's good to go. Uh, Sonic Tonic says, "Cheers, Paul. Always our skeptic." I don't. I'm not sure what I, what I did to garner that response, but okay, sure. Um, okay, moving on from that, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, swag sale that we've got going on. Forty percent off everything on the FinFactor.com. All of our products. The whole thing, 40% off store-wide, support finfactor.com. That is what you're doing. You're supporting the show. You're helping us keep the lights on. We have premium t-shirts. And when I say premium, guys, I mean premium. These things are super soft. These are like the softest shirts. You won't even want to wear it. You'll just wrap it around your pillowcase or wrap it around your pillow. Use it as a pillowcase. The snapback hats, just $18. Again, the shirts are 15 but the snapbacks, just $18. Again, 40% off. Um, I forget who it was that made the comment saying it's an absolute steal. I think it was Sonatonic actually said it's an absolute steal. And I have to say the quality of the hat is top notch. I'm very happy with it. I'm probably going to grab another one because mine's getting old. Uh, the sticker packs, $3. Now, again, the sticker packs, you get three of them. So it's basically a dollar a sticker. And they are nice stickers. They they, uh, they stick very well, I guess. <laughs> but uh, no, they they again, they're there to help support the show and anything you guys uh, do purchase does help us out. All of these items are currently in stock, but it is a limited stock. I can't stress that enough. We only have a limited amount of all these different items in all these different sizes. So once they sell out, I believe they're gone. Uh, we are looking at maybe going with some other products in store, but we have to move some before we can add some. So uh, again, 40% off store-wide, thefinfactor.com. Everything is priced as marked, which again would be 40% off all the way through April 12th, which is, of course, the trade deadline. Sharks want to reset. Fin Factor wants to reset. So there you go. Visit that. We've got a, a few people, actually. We just caught some emails saying uh, you've uh, they made a sale, made a sale. So uh, a couple of people are picking up the swag while it's still available. Good on you, because I don't think we're ever going to get the price this low ever again. Um, and it's, it's really comfortable stuff. Aaron, anything you want to say about that? Uh, no, it's good stuff. And my... <laughs> <laughs> it's not, thanks the more you know now it's uh how long has it been now three years i think yeah and my shirts are still in pretty good shape and so are my hats i don't wear mine nearly as much as you do so i don't sweat through as much but um very good quality stuff we didn't buy any cheap stuff that was one of the requirements when we decided to get some uh some swag i said i, I don't want anything cheap because i when i wear it i want to be comfortable in it so we did not skimp uh i have had the same fin factor sticker on my ipad case for almost two years i think now 10 out of 10 much stick 
I never thought that there could be a five-star review for a sticker. Sonic Tonic, you have managed it quite the feat. You get the Xbox achievement right there. Um, okay, uh, the last thing here, hockey is for everyone. Sure, again, we're promoting this thing because we believe in it. Hockey is for everyone t-shirt, limited edition. It benefits Silicon Valley Pride. Sizes come in small, medium, large, extra large. It's $10 for shipping should you choose to have it shipped to you. However, if you live in San Jose or you're fine with making the drive, pickup is available at Solar for America Ice Pro Shop. There is limited availability in March 2021 or until they are sold out. And they're nearing the end of March, of course. So uh, please make sure that you go to sjteamshop.com. These shirts are just $29.99 uh, and they are phenomenal. Very comfortable. Uh, Aaron's holding his up right now. Hockey is for everyone on the back. 21, of course, 2021 uh, with the pride colors all over it. Uh, Aaron, what do you think about this shirt? Have you worn yours yet? I haven't even worn it. I have mine hung up. I want it pristine. I want to have an event where I wear mine. So uh, well, how about you? I'm going to wear mine this week, but I need to wash it because it got really wrinkled. Oh, okay. Can't have wrinkled shirts. It's no good. I will say this. The Fin Tractor shirts, hard to wrinkle those things. Um, I'm just kidding. They're, they wrinkle like any other shirt, but they're comfortable people. Okay. I think we're done with the show, guys. Hey, I, I, hopefully you guys had a, a good little week here. I think the Sharks played well, at least in, in L.A., and brings our spirits up. It's always nice when the Sharks play well and we get to have some nice comments uh, going in the chat there. So again, thank you guys for contributing to the chat. Lundy, thank you so much for your super chats, buddy. You are a constant contributor. We got to think of something nice to do for Lundy here. Maybe we'll have like a uh, Justin Braun uh, special show or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Probably not. But, um, oh, wait, hold on. Is there a picture? Do we have a picture? Did you want to yeah. Uh, no. No. Okay. Because I, I get some more. I'm out. I, I saw the comment, Lundy here. As soon as I said Lundy, it says Aaron's uh, hair also help clean hat clean lo- keep hat clean longer. Oh, your hair keeps the hat clean longer. <laughs> yeah, when he uses that Mister Clean to shine true. that thing up, it does. It uh, gets the ammonia on the inside of the hat, not, and cleans it up. It's not true because I have no hair to soak up the sweat, so it goes straight to the hat. Okay, Scott Kemp, I'm going to answer this question for you. When will the Fin Factor go back to the old studio setup? Miss seeing all the decorations. Okay, a couple things about that. One, um, we will not be going back into studio until uh, both of us probably have the vaccinations, which means till I have the vaccinations because Aaron, I believe, has already got one because you're you're an essential worker. I am. Do you yeah. want to tell them about your the essential work that you do? Uh, I work for a distributor of booze and we are very essential because if people can't get their booze, there will be riots. So we are considered essential. Think about that. Truer words, yeah. never spoken, my friend. Uh, well food. done. I think second to food is alcohol. So uh, <laughs> very important in the food chain business. So I've got my first one. I get my next one in uh, two more weeks. Good stuff. But so, yeah, uh, yeah to uh, we'll be we'll be back in the studio next season, next shark season. Hopefully, next season, yes. Uh, that I'll, I'll have uh, it available to me, and then we can we can get back in the studio. Although, Super Producer Jason probably needs uh, that as well. I don't know if he's got his or not. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, yes, that's when we'll be uh, back in. That's the first part of that answer. The second part is uh, you miss seeing all the decorations. We may or may not be changing our studio uh, when we get back. It kind of depends, again, on a specific area 
uh, a specific studio area. Uh, here we go. New set design has been in the works, but was paused with the pandemic. We also have upgraded some gear. Yes, we have upgraded some gear. So hopefully we will sound and look. Well, will probably sound the same. Actually, I don't think we got that new gear, but we sounded pretty good in the first place. We'll probably look even better and you'll get less crotch shots uh, than you did before. Right. <laughs> you remember the crotch shots? That was our the first, first, season. Was the first five episodes or so. First <laughs> 10 episodes. Oh, yeah. We've come a long way, buddy. Hashtag less crotch shots. Thank you, Super Producer Jason. Okay. With that, I think we've officially gone off the rails. But yes, uh, I'm looking forward to next season as well. Uh, be sure to uh, tune in for us. Again, if you guys aren't subscribed, we do not hit you with a whole bunch of garbage. We only tell you when we're going live and we only tell you when we're having a show. Uh, no way. I work for a, win- a winery. Let's be friends. Sonic. You don't have to be friends with just the guy who works as the distributor because you work for a winery. You can be friends with me because you work with a winery, uh, and that's totally fine, too. So just saying. You do the distributing. Okay, no, you do the wine. Aaron will do the distributing, and I'll do the consuming. How's that sound? Paul only drinks white Zin, though. That is not true. (laughs) That is a lie. And if I could punch you through this thing, I would. That is a lie. (laughs) All right, the new sh- the new show will be in an actual shark tank. No, highly unlikely. Okay, uh, thanks, guys. Take care, everyone. Yes, Sonic, take care of yourself. White Zin for Paul. No, get out of here. I like the cab. <laughs> I like the Merlot. Hater. Okay, guys, again, thank you so much for your comments. Thank you for showing up. We know in a bad season, it's hard to keep the conversation going sometimes, but not- nights like tonight where we get to talk about two shark wins in a row, it's uh, certainly a lot livelier in here and a lot more lighthearted. So we appreciate you guys. And uh, I guess that'll that'll do it there. Aaron, any last second words, things you... Nope. Okay, good. Uh, Aaron doesn't like you guys as much as I do. That's why I do all the thanking. Um, for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Grumpy Aaron. And we will see you guys Saturday night. Saturday night with less grump. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.